Welcome to David Clark's We Are Superman podcast, episode number 215. I am your host, Bill Stahl. I hope everyone had a great 4th of July weekend. I know I feel a little sleep-deprived right now. Uh, It's really weird having 4th of July on a Monday, so there have been fireworks on Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, Monday night, and since I wake up with the dawn anyway, with the sunrise, and this time of year, of course, is the earliest sunrises we have, roughly, um, I'm getting very little sleep right now since uh, I can't go to sleep with all the explosions going on outside, so been uh, definitely uh, trying to plow through a lack of sleep lately. Um, Honestly, one of my favorite parts of 4th of July is the hot dog eating contest at Coney Island. Uh, Even though I'm vegetarian, uh, I I just get such a kick out of watching the ability of these guys to eat. I mean, yeah, it's gluttony. It's eating a lot of meat there that... um, you know, it's it, it, there's definitely some contradiction there, but I, I'm just totally blown away when I see a guy like Joey Chestnut, who put away 63 hot dogs in 10 minutes, and uh, you know, even I mean, he won by more than 20 over anybody else. Uh, the guy just—it's amazing. He just shoves them in, and it's just—it's just amazing watching this. I mean, you know, they consider competitive eating a sport now, and as some of you know, I'm pretty good at being able to put away large quantities of food myself, but can't even imagine what these guys do. Um, I would actually love to see a vegan hot dog eating contest. Uh, That would be probably the best thing to to protest, if you would, because uh, there was a protester who went out on stage and he was protesting Smithfield Foods, which which is a major pork producer in this country. And he went up right up to Joey Chestnut. Joey Chestnut put him in a headlock and threw him down. The whole episode only took a couple of seconds. And obviously, Joey probably had a full mouth and, you know, full stomach going there. He just kept going. Uh, I mean, he barely was a blip. Uh, He was able to take this guy down and just kept going. So, you know, I got to give the guy props. That was uh, very impressive. Um, But uh, again, the Coney Island thing is is just, the whole thing is just hilarious, especially the guy who wears the skimmer hat, who does the introductions, and he's just into it. He's, I, I don't know if that guy does anything else the rest of the year, but he shows up certainly on ESPN once a year, and he's out there narrating and announcing the entire hot dog eating contest. Uh, the, the guy is uh, is just, he's colorful. What, what can I say? The guy is just pretty funny. Anyhow, uh, for, for this episode, uh, I wanted to reprise actually something that I did exactly a year ago in episode number 143, is I played Lou Gehrig's Luckiest Man on the Face of the Earth speech. It is probably one of the, if not the most, one of the most famous sports speeches ever given. And the the background to it was that uh, Lou Gehrig, as everybody knows, has a disease named after him. It wasn't back then, but this is a guy who had um, played in more consecutive games than anybody in history. In fact, a record that would stand all the way until... um, uh, Ripken, Cal Ripken of the Orioles broke the record, something that nobody thought anybody would do. And I'm, I guarantee nobody's ever going to break Ripken's record or probably even approach what Lou Gehrig did playing in 2,130 consecutive games. Uh, he was known as the Iron Horse because he simply never came out of the lineup. And not only that, but he was a great player. Uh, he and Babe Ruth teamed up to propel a lot of those murderers row teams of the 1920s and 30s that won a lot of championships for the Yankees. And Uh, Lou Gehrig hit 496 career home runs before his career was tragically cut short. Um, I forget how many RBIs he had, but it was one of the most, uh, most RBIs in history. But one of the great players of all time, he played first base. 
He was a native of New York, uh, grew up in New York City, went to Columbia University, so he was a great local hero there as well. But on July 4th, 1939, uh, he had just been diagnosed with ALS, and of course that is a terminal disease. And he gave a speech in front of Yankee Stadium. Uh, Not all the speech has survived, but uh, there's a lot that is filled in here. Um, And I'm going to actually replay my podcast episode from back then. It's not very long. The the, the, um, uh, speech didn't take very long. And I I was actually, the the idea I got from this was uh, I happened to be in my favorite pizza joint over the 4th of July holiday. And it's Anthony's Pizza. If you're in Denver, by far the best New York pizza in Denver. And uh, hopefully they'll give me some free pizza because I mentioned them. But um, on the TV while we were in there, they were playing Pride of the Yankees on the TV on the MLB network, which Pride of the Yankees was about Lou Gehrig and him playing and and getting sick. It actually included a lot of contemporary players in the movie itself. Babe Ruth was in it, Bill Dickey, as well as several, uh, who's another Hall of Famer, Hall of Fame catcher for the Yankees. A lot of other contemporary players were actually in the production. And... Um, uh, Gary Cooper played Lou Gehrig. In fact, a lot of us growing up thought that that's what Lou Gehrig looked like. He looked like Gary Cooper. And, um, and at the end of the, uh, movie, uh, Lou Gehrig had given his speech and he walked uh, all by himself back into the dugout and into the tunnel for the last time leaving Yankee Stadium. And, uh, you know, there, there couldn't be a, a dry eye in the house. Uh, I, I mean, I could barely even keep a dry eye even watching the movie, um, having seen it many times before. So it kind of gave me the idea of what an incredible speech that was. And just an ex- incredible expression of gratitude. And uh, this is a guy, again, who called himself the luckiest man on the face of the earth, despite the fact that he knew he had a disease that was going to kill him. And, you know, what he was doing was expressing gratitude to his fellow players, his managers, the fans, you know, just uh, the guy was so loved and he was expressing gratitude despite a death sentence that was hanging over his head and, and, and a fairly gruesome disease, if, if you will. I mean, if, uh, as you know, with ALS, the brain is fine, but the body atrophies away to the point where uh, he, the, the, the victim can't even uh, function anymore, even though their brain knows entirely what is going on. So, uh, and th- to this day, uh, despite the fact there's been a lot of money put into research, uh, there was the uh, ice bucket challenge years ago, you know, what, what's gone into trying to find a cure or treatment for ALS, there is still nothing that can be done to prevent the ultimate outcome. So, Again, I just wanted to replay this episode that I had put together a year ago with Lou Gehrig's speech. It's not very long, but I hope it is impactful to you as much as it is to me. Thank you again for listening to the We Are Superman podcast. Uh, July 4th, 1939, uh, Lou Gehrig, as I mentioned, um, gave his famous speech. Uh, the Yankees did it between games of a doubleheader they had against the Washington Senators. So there were 61,808 fans there. Uh, may have been a packed house anyway on a holiday with a doubleheader, but uh, nevertheless, they were there to see Lou Gehrig make what turned out to be his last public appearance. And uh, just for some uh, background, um, Lou Gehrig had broken in with the Yankees on June 2nd, 1925. Um, and, and coincidentally, or not coincidentally, but now 
June 2nd will always be Lou Gehrig Day throughout Major League Baseball. He also passed away on June 2nd, 1941, so June 2nd is an impactful day. So that will be Lou Gehrig Day forever in Major League Baseball. But in any case, he broke in that day. He took the place of a player named Wally Pip, who never got in the lineup again. So it's it's actually become kind of part of our lexicon that if you uh, basically get replaced and never come back, you got Wally Pipped. And so uh, Lou Gehrig got into the lineup and uh, obviously had a great career, never looked back. He played in 2,130 consecutive games, uh, just an unbelievable mark. Every single game from 1925, that date, through 1939, didn't miss a game. Um, you know, not many people show up for work that mu- that frequently or with that consistency every day. The the record, of course, is broken by Cal Ripken Jr., but the way baseball is played these days, I am sure nobody will approach either one of those numbers of either Ge- Gehrig's or Ripken's. So uh, he was a first baseman for the uh, Gehrig was a first baseman for the New York Yankees, and. In 1939, the beginning of the season, he just was not playing very well. I think he had maybe one RBI. By April 30th, he went 0 for 4 in the ball game, and he went to his manager, Joe McCarthy, and asked to be taken out of the lineup. He said he was hurting the team. Of course, McCarthy said, no, you, you could never be hurting our team, but in, in you know Lou Gehrig's mind, he was. So uh, he pulled himself out of the lineup. That was actually the last time he ever played. Um, he was the captain of the Yankees. He continued to travel with the team when they went to Chicago. A little bit later in the season, he made a side trip up to the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota and got the diagnosis of ALS and was given uh, no more than three years to live after that. Um, that was on June 19th, 1939. And subsequently, and that happened to be his 36th birthday as well, by the way. And so uh, subsequently, like I said, the uh, they decided to honor him at Yankee Stadium on July 4th, 1939. Now, one thing I didn't know until I did some research on this project is that his entire speech was not recorded, uh, even though it was not very long. Uh, I mean, Lou Gehrig was, he was very shy and didn't want to speak, uh, even though he was being honored that day, and a lot of teams and individuals gave him gifts and such. Um, it wasn't until manager Joe McCarthy encouraged him that he got in front of the microphone and gave a 275-word speech. And again, for whatever reason, the tape recorders weren't running for all of it. So I will interject here and there and read the remainder of his speech, which, which there is a record of what he said uh, in between the audio clips that follow. So uh, for, forthwith is uh, Lou Gehrig's luckiest man on the face of the earth speech from July 4th, 1939. For the past two weeks, you've been reading about a bad brag. Today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Gehrig had meant to say that he got a bad break, but it came out saying he got a bad brag or drag or something like that. He continued on and said, I've been in ballparks for 17 years and have never received anything but kindness and encouragement from you fans. When you look around... Wouldn't you consider it privilege to associate yourself with such a fine-looking man as a standing in uniform in this ballpark today? Sure, I'm lucky, Gehrig added. Who wouldn't consider it an honor to have known Jacob Rupert, also the builder of baseball's greatest empire, Ed Barrow, to have spent six years with that wonderful little fellow, Miller Huggins, 
than to have spent the next nine years with that outstanding leader, that smart student of psychology, the best manager in baseball today, Joe McCarthy. Sure, I'm lucky. When the New York Giants, a team you would give your right arm to beat, and vice versa, sends you a gift, that's something. When everybody goes down to the groundskeepers and those boys in white coats remember you with trophies, that's something. When you have a wonderful mother-in-law who takes sides with you in squabbles with your her, with her own daughter, that's something. When you have a father and mother who work all of their lives so they can so you can have an education and build your body, it's a blessing. When you have a wife who has been a tower of strength and shown more courage than you dreamed existed, that's the finest I know. So in closing, in saying that I might have been given a bad grade. An incredibly brave speech, given the diagnosis that he received, and, and showing gratitude and thanks throughout. Just, just really uh, amazing valedictory speech. Um, not just for baseball, but one of the best speeches you, you will ever hear from a man in, in such an incredibly tough situation. Uh, Gehrig grew up in New York City, played baseball on the streets there, went on to play baseball for Columbia University in Manhattan, and he made his Yankees debut when he was just 19 years old. He, um, he, he was MVP of the American League by the age of 24. By the age of 30, he'd already hit 300 home runs on the way to a total of 496 home runs for his career. By the age of 35, he had already won six World Series rings, championships with the Yankees. He, um, he was voted by the writers, uh, sports writers, on January 6, 1940 into the Hall of Fame, who felt it was important to make sure that he was inducted into that hallowed place before he passed away. Um, and his number, number, his number four was retired by the, the Yankees that same day, which was the first number retired by any sports franchise in the world. So just uh, incredible, the, uh, the, the honors that he received. Uh, just uh, two years after that speech that he gave, he passed away again on June 2nd, 1941. So I hope you enjoyed hearing this speech and, and hearing about Lou Gehrig. Uh, appreciate your uh, listening to the We Are Superman podcast, uh, as always. 